0: rolling in it. The government has got more because you've got less. Food scraps. We've got MSD officials playing around. And failing warrants.
1: The position we're in is not good up. Kia ora and welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's a weekly catch up about the political stories we've been covering here on One News. I'm Benedict Collins.
2: I'm Mikey Shum and I'm Jessica Much Mackay.
1: Hey and it's been recess this week at Parliament but there's been a heap going on. Should we yeah. start with our pits and our peaks? Yes,
2: very Mikey. busy busy this week even though it's the second week of recess so uh, looking forward to Parliament resuming which is not my peak um, but my pit, start with the pit uh, has to go probably to uh, Green Minister Eugenie Sage and that's because she was basically sidelined or railroaded uh, call it what you like uh, this week by her uh, senior Labour Minister colleagues um, Grant um, Robertson and David Parker, and this is all to do with the Waihi gold mine um, decision. Obviously, earlier this year Eugenie Sage and um, David Clark made a joint decision um, regarding applications to expand um, a gold mine in Waihi. Uh, David Clark supported it. Eugenie Sage rejected it saying, um, you know, based on environmental reasons. Mm. Um, and then lo and behold, the company put in new applications and uh, Grant Robertson and David Parker gave it the big green tick, Um Uh, which basically sidelined Eugenie Sage and you've got to ask, you know, what's the point in having ministers there if their decisions are simply going to be overturned um, second time round so I'm sure she would have been a little bit disappointed um, with her colleagues and it just goes to show again the Green Party obviously you know, sort of on the back foot when it comes to this
0: coalition government. Such an interesting political move and you can just imagine some of the backroom conversations that were going on. My pitch this week is slightly more low brow um, and involves a um, lockup. So we go along to these treasury lockups and um, this one was two hours long. And um, I have to say, usually you go in and um, they'll have a few little snacks for morning tea, um, some coffee and tea. There laid out for you. We went and it was 11 o'clock till 1 o'clock and I went along with Anna White, our online reporter, and walked in and no snacks. So two hours locked up between 11 and 1. And I feel like when you're pregnant, they should tell you that stuff so you can take <laughs> your own snacks in. So um, that was my pitch this week.
1: Hey, and um, I can always take a brow lower. Um, my <laughs> p- my pitch for this week, Ben Cummins, referee in the NRL grand final. <laughs>
0: No, you're right, that uh, is lower. Uh,
1: Rolling six again for my um, my second favourite team after the Warriors, the Canberra Raiders, who were in the final. Telling them they had six again and then changing his mind after they took the next tackle, which basically changed the game. And uh, the Roosters went and scored down the other end and won it. And my um, bet that I'd placed earlier this season... Dead. Very, very upset with the refereeing decisions once again in the NRL. You know it's a recess week when his pit has to be a it. sporting <laughs> Last fun.
2: week it was Harry Potter, this week it's the NRL, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what about Pete? <clears throat> I don't have a peak, actually. I don't Aww. I don't have a peak this week. I have another but, pitch. I mean, I had two peaks last week, so I feel like <laughs> you're I just can balancing have it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. two pits this week. Um, and that is, uh, of course, the Māori Party. <clears throat> I was looking forward to going to the AGM this weekend in Whangaihu, which is on the way to Whanganui, but I uh, received an email saying that media are not allowed into the Māori Party AGM this year. So, you know, that's really disappointing because, uh, you know, we wanted to go there and see, uh, gauge where the party's at. You know, we're a year out from the election. They're putting out press releases, sending sending their press releases to us as the media, and yet they're locking us out of their AGM, which is unusual because usually they're very open in the past with their AGM. So interesting tactic. I'm not sure it's the best strategy heading into an trying election to, year. A
1: little bit like the Greens, trying to lock the media out of nearly... Well, I mean the mean... Greens open up just for one or two, one session each day or something, but you know some sort of policy. The, the Māori
0: Party and the Green Party would want the attention on the, you know, for some of these smaller parties that mm. usually are clamouring to try and get attention and
1: yeah. a year and, out from the election, yeah, right? Yeah, you know?
2: Absolutely. So not sure if that was the wisest move.
0: Um, my peak this week um, is around the rumour that the Prime Minister is in the running for the Nobel Peace Prize. And um, what's been really fun is just asking her every day whether there's an update on that or not. And um, so I've quite enjoyed that and seeing where we're at. Now we have debate in our office about whether she's really in the mix or not. Um, but I think we find out on Friday, obviously. But it's it's one of those things that's that's a big deal and um interesting that her name is even in the mix on things. So we shall we shall wait yeah. and see what comes out on Friday. And
1: following my loser bet on um the NR, don't take this too seriously, but oh, I mean surely the pick's gotta be Greta Thunberg, doesn't it? You know, mobilising the planet to try and save the Earth.
0: She's definitely number one when you look at the Times and The Guardian and all of those the international papers, I think they yeah, and, and a lot
1: of the other people who have been nominated for this are just doing their jobs, which is kind of the Prime Minister's point as well, right? Hey, no, I've I've just done my job mm. around the you know, Christchurch attacks and stuff like that. Um, My peak for the week was um, National's, uh, what's her title, drug reform spokesperson and deputy leader, Paula Bennett. She's up in Canada checking out the... uh, cannabis industry and she posted some fantastic photos to twitter one with a giant bag of buds that she's holding quite happily and she also posted a another photo holding up a a massive bag of joints big fat jays as well so i I thought that was kind of interesting given um, the concerns she's been raising about the um, terrible impacts of of marijuana over the last uh, few months with the referendum coming up obviously but thoroughly enjoyed those photos
0: good Mm. well shall we move on to the first story that I did this week, which was on the Treasury and the government opening up the books. Each year, Grant Robertson empties out his receipts, cash and IOU notes and makes the government's purse public. And this year, his wallet is looking pretty
1: plump. Oh, I'm pleased that the economy is doing well.
0: Please, because this is his surplus, $7.5 billion. That's the money left to play with. For perspective, it's the highest in a decade and $4 billion more than expected. There are a few one-offs to explain that, but still...
1: We are in good shape.
0: Add to that, government debt is down too.
1: I think the government should absolutely be spending more money. So we've got all the surveys that are telling us the economy is cooling and this is the perfect time to get prepared.
0: Grant Robertson told us today he'll spend more on things like roads and public transport to get things pumping, but won't be specific.
1: It ranges from our transport networks through to our schools, our hospitals. The government has got more because you've got less.
0: The government is skimming off more tax compared to last year. For example, $2 billion from wages. So what about tax cuts?
1: Our decision's for the budget process and for the election. Hard-working Kiwi taxpayers are doing it tough. They need relief.
0: There's also looming global shocks to consider. The finance minister, unsurprisingly, reckons he's got the balance about right, squirrelling away enough money for a rainy day while still stimulating the economy. But critics say he's been far too quiet. So what should he do with the surplus? I think it should definitely go towards uh, climate efforts.
1: Homeless people, housing. I don't think it should be put into tax cuts.
0: Perhaps he'll be more willing to spend an election year. So we just thought we'd um, mention um, the plethora and surplus of treats that we have sitting on our desk. Um, I'm off on maternity leave next week, so I thought I'd bring um, us in some little treats to celebrate that and, and I guess... For me, it is a bit of a celebration, although I'm very sad to be leaving you guys <laughs> celebrating um, being off off work and um, putting my feet up, hopefully for a few days before the baby arrives. So um, that explains the slices and treats on our desk. Um, from one surplus of treats to another, um, I guess... In terms of looking at the books, it was the chance for us to go in and dive deeper and and look at all of that. And what it's interesting. You've got those big headline numbers, a surplus, um, $7.5 billion. And you just get the sense that Grant Robertson is so desperate to to give the message that he's a responsible manager of the economy, that he's almost garnering this... um, this criticism that he's being too cautious and too safe mm. and you just think it's almost like um he's he's caught up with that and i mean yep yeah, there's there's the one off um one offs through that so he does need to be mindful of that but there is a lot of money set aside for any global shocks or any rainy days that come forward and adding to all of that as well of course is the level of debt that's now down from 19.9% so just add all of those things in together and it's just, it's a really interesting political story
2: and that level of debt is really the the constraint I guess in terms of the government you know being able to spend up large because we, when we hear especially from a public perspective that we've got these um, you know big surpluses um, then you're like great show me the money you know let's spend more here let's spend more there but because the government tied itself into keeping that debt under 20% percent and you know you sort of mentioned it's gone from nineteen point9 just down slightly um, that sort of of keeps them uh, on, the, on, the, on the thin line, I guess, um, in terms of going out and spending up large. But it does put them into, into a good position heading into the election, um, having that sort of pottle of cash um, to spend on big policy come next year.
1: I found it quite interesting, as for your story that you did. I popped out and did some of the vox pops for you in Wellington, just near the Beehive, and we were sort of saying to people, "Hey, you know, the government's found an extra few billion dollars. Um, you know, what do you think they should do with it?" Um, and you know, pretty much everyone said, "Hey." Um, we think, you know, more money needs to be spent on addressing climate change. Uh, we feel that that's a big issue. And I guess and lots
0: of people said that, eh? It yeah, was really yeah. interesting.
1: Um, and given we just had the Extinction Rebellion mm. protest outside Parliament where they'd shut down, um, you know, that the big intersection near Parliament as well the day before, I guess it's on people's minds, mm. but everyone was kind of really attracted into that. Someone else saying, you know, I think we need to address homelessness. And I guess that's the other point. You know, people say, oh, we need to put it aside for a rainy day. Well, when you look at how many people are having to get food grants in this country, you know, quarter of a million people every three months, <laughs> you know, f- for some people it's raining nonstop, it's that, pouring, yeah, right? Yeah,
2: that reminds me of what um, Ganesh Nana said to us just slightly after the budget um, earlier this year. He was saying, you know, that there is that saying, save mm. it for a rainy day, but actually mate, it's raining now and people um, need that support right now.
0: And I think what's really interesting is we, you know, Grant Robertson um, saying we're going to see big infrastructure spend up so we're going to see that. So if we do have a global shock, um, we've got a few little buffers to kind of help us through that with big roading projects or public transport projects, etc, etc. But I think the other thing that it um, raises is the idea of tax cuts as well. And I think that um, Grant Robertson was obviously um, not going into that, and it's almost a waste of reporters' breath at this point in the political cycle because neither of the parties are going to um, announce what they're going to do in that area. But I do think what's interesting sometimes with with vox pops and and when people have a camera in their faces, often you'll go up to people and say, "So, what are the things you really care about?" <clears> and they'll say, "They'll say health and education, and da 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 da, and." And that's because those are the things you, you want to care about. Sometimes what people are voting on is things like tax cuts, what's better for me, there's a portion of it, and it depends how you feel about voting, if you're voting for yourself or if you vote for what you think is um, better for everyone. So I do think um, sometimes when you go up to someone and say, hey Mikey, what do you think the government should be spending more on? You, might, you won't always have everyone saying first up, oh, I want some more tax cuts because it'll be better for me. People don't want to give that perception. So I think in election year, it'll be really interesting to see how both sides handle that and and how people... React to that because it's mm-hmm. going to be there's going to be a bit of splashing cash around. Oh, yeah. The
2: Nats, <clears throat> the Nats earlier this year, I don't know what is in my throat. There's There's like
0: a Lollicake. frog in there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, the Nats earlier, the, speaking of um, tax cuts, you know, the, the Nats earlier this year when they put out the economic um, policy paper, which we covered off, um, you know, there was certainly big hints that they're looking at um, throwing in some tax cuts next year and they're still trying to stay a bit cautious around sort of confirming any of that. But I think that's likely on the cards from, from their point of view. Um, I always find it really interesting to see um, Grant Robertson when he delivers and he opens up the books because he's always got the biggest smile on his face. Um, and and it was interesting to hear you talk about you know that he he wants to be seen as that safe pair of hands. And he's obviously you know coming into some big shoes there with Bill English. Um, you know, having been the former finance minister, that was basically the mantra that he had built for himself and the reputation that he is now known for forever and ever. As that safe pair of hands, that sort it's of sensible. steady, yeah, steady mm. hand on the wheel for John Key, and I guess um, Grant Robertson just wanting to do his best to do to be that for for Labor and for the government for Jacinda Ardern, and because they haven't always had that sort of natural relationship when it comes to business, the business um, sector, and we see that in the business confidence surveys um, um. results. <clears throat> then you know he's just really trying to hold on and, and create that for himself. Yeah. It's interesting.
1: Hmm. Hey, now we're going to have a bit of a step back in time. We're going to look at the first story that we ran um, in an investigation that we've been looking at um, MSD, Ministry of Social Development, and how they've been using, how they've been calculating food grants for people in Auckland. Have a look at this. Careers as a social worker and crane operator cut short by ill health, now repeatedly having to ask work and income for food grants. It can be depressing and um, it's it's not very good for your health. I just feel they're pushing me down every time. Work and income staff in Auckland have been told to calculate food grants by using Otago University's food cost survey, which tracks the annual cost of common food items. Which has resulted in people getting a lot less than what they're used to and also for people's um, individual requirements to be ignored. Now the food survey authors are speaking out too.
0: We haven't had any conversations with WINS about them using the data data, and we haven't been able to give them any um, information about how they should be interpreting it and the limitations that are involved.
1: They say it shouldn't be happening.
0: No, I wouldn't be uh, comfortable with it being used, for, especially for hardship benefits.
1: And that individuals and small families might be getting too little.
0: For people that need to buy smaller amounts because they're smaller households, it is likely to underestimate the cost.
1: No one at work and income was available to be interviewed today about their use of the Otago food survey. But in a statement, they said they're trialling a calculator based on the survey in Auckland to see if it will provide greater consistency. They said individual circumstances are factored in. But back in Auckland, this beneficiary just wants to be heard. I'm just finding it so hard just to go in there and get the support that I need. Food support 230,000 Kiwis asked for in the last three months, more than double the number in need five years ago. Now there's been a big development today with this story. Let's have a look at this. Long lines of hungry people in Auckland... Now a controversial trial of how their food grants are calculated has been dumped. Look, it's been binned and actually the results show that MSD should be unhappy with the calculator too, as am I, so we're no longer using it. It comes after one news revealed Otago University objected to the Social Development Ministry using its food survey to calculate food grants.
0: No, I wouldn't be uh, comfortable with it being used, for, especially for hardship
1: benefits. The Minister ordered an urgent review which found many case managers were unhappy happy with aspects of the formula saying the calculator allocated less money to women than men and it does not take into account items such as sanitary products. The fact that it isn't working has become very apparent and MSD has made the decision that they will no longer use the calculator. While the trial has now been binned, in recent weeks the ministry repeatedly defended its use of the calculator, even complaining that One News wasn't talking to people who thought it was a good idea. Otago University got in touch today, they're pleased, the trial's over. And it was welcome news in Auckland too. It has been a relief for me. Yeah, I'm happy with that. We're pleased that uh, the Minister is uh, stopping the use of the calculator, but we are concerned about the fact that this practice went on for this long without the Minister actually having oversight of this issue. Many case managers used their discretion to change the calculated food payments The government says it's looking for an improved system. Discretion can be a good thing, and then discretion sometimes is not such a good thing. So we still need to explore how we do this better. Another solution is um, increasing on the benefit for everybody. Some free advice for the minister. (laughs) Right, so the minister, um, after watching our stories on this, she got concerned enough to order an urgent review of this calculator um, that the Ministry was defending. Uh, Now they've got the results back and the Minister's given us an interview saying, look, what's going on here isn't acceptable, and the Ministry's made their own call to shut it down. Um, This trial is not going to be run anymore, and the Minister's saying, look, uh, some people uh, the use of this calculator are getting too little, um, not not enough food, basically. Others, she said, were getting more than they were you know, more than they actually needed it was all over the show, so they've shut it down. But um, you know, interesting, given the the pushback that we've had from the Ministry of Social Development over the story, insisting you know what they were doing was right, insisting we were wrong. You know that um, you know we we weren't doing enough to find people who you know were supportive of the use of, use of this calculator. Now they're dumping it.
2: Yeah, it's been really interesting to see the story progress as you've been chipping away at it, and, and you're right, we did see that huge resistance at the start, and you've just been hitting it and hitting it, and then we saw that um, admission from the Minister that she'll look into it and that she'll review it, and so, you know, really good good work to and see it come um, to where it is today.
0: Yeah, and, and I think on one hand, it, it's like great that something's being done about it and, and that the change is being made, but on the other hand, it's kind of like, should it have taken a journalist to highlight it, to make the minister look into it do you know what I mean so there are two sides of it that it's good that the minister's prepared to act but it shouldn't have been our job to highlight the problems
1: that's right and I think this I mean I think it was kind of doomed as soon as Otago University came out and said these guys don't understand what they're doing They, Mm -hmm. they don't understand the economies of scale that go into our survey our survey was never meant to be used to actually determine food grants for people um you know, and they didn't
2: uh, even talk to us about it. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and
1: they never even contacted us about it. And so they don't understand that you know we assume people have access to kitchens and cooking, mm. you know, es- essentials and all these different things. And they're shopping is a family of four, so they can buy at scale. And the ministry using this to um, determine food grants for individuals is you know highly I- inappropriate. Um, so yeah, it's been interesting having the story kick along.
2: Is there any indication on how they might sort of determine that going forward now? Well, yeah. that's,
1: that's going to be the interesting thing. That's, the minister's told us in, in, in her interview um, that, look, that's the next step. They have to figure out what they're going to do going forward to try and figure out a fair way of calculating food grants for people. And this is only getting a bigger and bigger issue because people and- simply do not have enough money on the unemployment benefit or people who are working part-time and need to get it topped up. They don't have enough money to live. Yeah. Right? And
0: here's an idea. You could work with Otago University who have expertise in one area with the ministry and work together and kind of come up with something that works. But yeah, you're right, bigger picture. It shows the problems and the and the number of people who are going without.
1: Yeah, and it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, given the surplus, whether the government does actually take any more action around that welfare space. We had the big welfare advisory report. They've adopted, I think, only three of the huge number of recommendations, right? Um, And interestingly we did another story this week um, where we looked uh, um, just just yesterday, where we had a look at another policy of the ministry where um, uh, overpayments have reached nearly a billion dollars. And the minister was saying to us, hey look, that's because people are are working part-time and people's hours jump around a lot. And so, Mikey, this week you might work eight hours, next week it's 12, but the ministry thought you're only going to work eight, so you actually owe them money, so you were overpaid, so you have to pay them back. And, and that, that's reached nearly a billion dollars. But one of the recommendations in the welfare advisory report was change those abatement rates, right? Put it up higher so people can work more before you start taxing or taking their benefit away from them. So, you mm-hmm. know, it was kind of interesting to see. you got these experts telling the government this is what you should what you should be doing you know, and yet they're not acting, and now the, the debt's got up to a billion bucks.
2: I remember having the same conversation with a guy who was standing outside the warehouse, um, just down here in Wellington, and he was, you know, obviously asking for for money. And I had, I was having a chat to him, and he was saying, "Oh, my benefit's been cut because I was doing some part time work yeah. to try and top up my benefit, and then they sanctioned me and cut my benefit because I was making that extra cash." So it's the same sort of thing, you know, when we talk about the part time work, people sort of working extra extra hours and so on. Which There's is what just, you want, right? Yeah, which is what you want <laughs> yeah. and which is what they need to do to survive because those caps are so low. Um, uh, you know, So there needs to be more
0: flexibility around that from the ministry's mm. part. And as a cynical political reporter, <laughs> those will be rolled out next year just in time for the election. I reckon we'll see changes in this space and um, more of that yes. cash money going out. Yes.
2: Alrighty, speaking of changes, lots of changes on the way for the uh, New Zealand Transport Agency. Let's take a look at my track on this. The Transport Agency had major concerns about this Dargaville garage but for years did nothing. The garage would later wrongly issue a warrant of fitness linked to the death of a passenger. It cast doubt over the entire regulatory system and the safety of tens of thousands of vehicles on our roads. We've
0: seen a a massive blowout in deaths and serious injuries on the roads over the last decade. And um, the systemic failure of NZTA's regulatory role, uh, in my view, has clearly contributed.
2: NZTA's light-handed approach laid bare today. Independent reports highlighting multiple failings, including weak leadership and accountability. What message will you take back to your board and your agency following this report?
1: Well, I mean, the key message is the position we're in is not good enough. We actually have to do a job that maintains the confidence and trust of the New Zealand public and we failed in that.
2: NZTA's approach to providers like garages was said to focus too much on relationships rather than rules. Agency staff telling the review those who continued to enforce rules were restructured out of the organisation.
1: We do possess a stick and where appropriate we should be prepared to use it.
2: Wellington mechanic Clive Rowley says the industry needs to take note.
1: Well, we all have to keep our consistency up, it's as simple as that, and our, um, you know, do, do the job properly.
2: Today's public criticism, bad for business.
1: Well, it doesn't give us a really good name.
2: The Minister's pinning the problem on National.
1: The Transport Agency was encouraged to focus on building roads at the expense of its regulatory mandate. That is the political interpretation by Phil Twyford, uh, to try and make a political attack Uh, on the National Party.
2: As well as an immediate $45 million cash injection and an extra 100 staff, a funding review of the transport agency is also underway. It could see an extra $20 million added to its annual budget.
0: There is clearly under-resourcing of the transport agency's regulatory function and that is one of the main contributory factors.
2: Just one factor among sweeping changes to our transport agency. So this issue's obviously been bubbling around for the better part of a year now, um, since you know those sort of first concerns were raised by the board of the NZTA at the end of last year, um, and we've seen you know um, a number of senior leadership um, roles acts and or, most you Most know, of them have been given, rolled, the boot, hey? yeah. them being given the boot. Most of them been given the boot, and now we can see why. Just that weak leadership, lack of accountability, you name it, the problem was there. Um, so you know, really interesting to see um, some of those outlined in the report yesterday. And looking at the changes going forward.
1: Yeah, I thought a couple of the um, like when you NZT was an absolute train wreck of an organisation. But I guess what we sort of found out yesterday was that they're pumping. they are going to start pumping more money
2: pumping more organization. cash into the organisation $45 million yep. just up front um, 15 of that will be just to sort of sort out the issues 30 of that will be to create the new sort of structure going forward and at the same time they're doing a, a review of um, NZTA's budget, the minister sort of indicating yesterday that could see an extra 10 to $20 million each year added to their sort of bottom line just to keep them um, you know, on the right track because he, he, he acknowledged that under resource was one of the major problems and obviously as as well as that money we're seeing that extra 100 staff Um, granted he also mentioned yesterday they need more like 400 people Um, and it's finding those quality staff that are going to be key.
0: And I think what we've seen as the story's developed over the year is what a big beast it is and when it's not working how spectacularly it's not working and yesterday we saw how the government's going to respond to it and how it's going to try and um, pump money and resources into it it, with, with the hope that it will make some kind of a difference.
2: I was really impressed um, to um, hear from Sir Brian Roche, who was just appointed the new chairperson of NZTA back in June. I think it was. He seems like a pretty onto it character. I think he's going to sort of get in there and uh, get the uh, get the old car and ship shape.
1: Yeah, and it felt like it was another bit of an opportunity um, for Phil Twyford to give National a kicking, eh? Over, <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> over don't know. NZTA? You know, I'm
2: I'm kind of of the mind that I'm uh, you know I'm kind of getting a bit tired of that, and I wonder if the public are too. This whole you know we get it. it happened under their watch and yes you know they need yeah. to be but also held responsible two,
0: for that but two years in now two
2: it's... years in now mate and I don't know that not anyone really cares minister
0: yeah <laughs> I mean you get that point and you get that argument but you do get to a point I kind of almost feel like it's at that 18 month mark where you're like and we probably as journalists have are a little bit ahead of the rest of the public on that kind of thing we get a bit over it before they get over it but it's kind of like come on two years this yeah is, it's your problem now <laughs> yeah
2: yeah um uh so uh, yeah yeah <laughs> see how see how it all goes
1: yeah hey so out. before we wrap up we've got a special announcement um Jessica's leaving us this week to head off and have a Baby oh, And we've yeah. just got A little uh, gift for you To um, oh, that's se- so nice. send you on your way with And best oh, of luck From
0: all of us Sweet. <laughs> Thanks guys Oh they're so pretty I should be bringing The treats for you Because <laughs> now we'll be One staff member down For a couple of weeks It's going to be A bit busier for you guys Oh that's so nice Thank you Yes for um, those of
2: you Listening It's a beautiful Bouquet of
0: flowers Yeah Oh I should put them That way eh, For the camera Scarlet's like Come on seriously You need to show me <laughs> Thank you very much um, Yeah I'm really excited to be heading off on a new little adventure um, But I'll be back in time for Waitangi So we'll be back into it next year And, and smashing it for election year, hopefully um, But yeah, I will miss you guys and miss the podcast um, Probably,
1: if I have it Oh, you'll be, you'll be listening every week, won't you?
0: Sure Yeah, yeah oh. it'll put the baby to sleep, mate <laughs> yeah. yeah, the dulcet tone, yeah. Or I'll yeah. be texting with notes <laughs> yeah. But thank you, that's very sweet of you guys
1: Awesome. Hey, so this was One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering here on One News. We're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook and it's available around this time each week on One News Now and you can check us out on your favourite podcasting app. See you guys.